That's the hum of a well-run facility. You know what I hate hearing? Silence. Silence on a production line means downtime. Downtime means wasted time. Wasted time means wasted money. Silence isn't golden, kid. It's deadly. That's why I love Granger. With a wide variety of the latest products, Granger gets us what we need when we need it to help keep this place up and running and humming away. Get it? Got it? Good. Call, click Granger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What fuels you? Here's Paul going to the ski slopes with his buddies. Dude, double black diamond? Last one down buys lunch! <laughs> Paul fuels up at Exxon and Mobile stations, where our quality gasoline helps improve fuel economy. And now he could win $1,000 in Exxon Mobile gift cards just by telling us what fuels him, like skiing with his pals. Ten weekly winners. Full details at exxon.com or mobile.com. Exxon and Mobile. Energy lives here. No purchase necessary. Ends April 7, 2015. Restrictions apply. Actual fuel economy benefits may vary. Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks. Good afternoon. It is I, Chuck Morse. Chuck Moore speaks here at the USA Radio Networks, Monday through Friday, 10 till noon. Welcome to the program. The Supreme Court is listening, is hearing arguments with regard to. Um, the constitutionality of taxpayer-supplied subsidies on a national level obtained when people purchase their health plan through the federal Obamacare exchange. To help us discuss the arguments uh, as they're developing at the Supreme Court and the issue as a whole, we're joined by Dr. David Hogberg. He's a healthcare analyst with the National Center for Public Policy Research. Uh, Dr. Hogberg, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Uh, feel free to call me David. Thank you, David. Uh, you are taking the liberal media to task for their continuous attack on the so-called right, claiming that um, the political right has no alternative plans to replace Obamacare. I guess my question to you right off the bat before we talk about the nuances of the Supreme Court debate is, does the political right have an alternative plan to replace Obamacare? Uh, they have quite a few. Um in anticipation of of the court hearing King versus Burwell, and knowing that you know the political left uh, is likely to use that line of attack that we don't have anything ready to go, we release this policy study that's at our website nationalcenter.org, and it has kind of a lengthy title here, so just bear with me for a second. Uh, the title is "If Plaintiffs Prevail in King versus Burwell, Conservatives and Libertarians Have Many Healthcare Reform Options Ready to Help People Who Lose Obamacare." A sub uh, who lose Obamacare subsidies. And um, embedded in the um, policy analysis is a link to, a, um, to an Excel file, basically a spreadsheet, that lists just over a dozen plans from um, you know, free market think tanks and a few also from Republican politicians, um, health care plans, uh, that uh, are alternatives to um, Obamacare, and um, uh, could be used certainly to help people who would lose their subsidies on on the exchange. So 
the spreadsheet lists the reform, and it also shows how the um, uh, reforms, what, what they do on various uh, you know, important health care policy issues, such as uh, tax credits, pre-existing conditions, Medicaid, and so forth. Um, just over half of the plans have some form of refundable tax credit, which means that even people who are you know, presumably poor and pay little to no income tax, they can still uh, get this tax credit. And that right there would help people who might lose their subsidies on the federal Obamacare exchange. And there's also plenty in these plans that start could, would start moving us to a uh, free market, um, uh, you know, a, a truly free market healthcare system. Um, and so we put this out so people would have a very easy to navigate um, uh, uh, spreadsheet, basically that shows them what all these uh, what all these plans are and what they do. And so people will be aware, number one, that yes, the political right does have alternatives to Obamacare. And number two, they offer loads of ideas to choose from to um, eventually replace Obamacare, but in the interim, um, offer something to uh, uh, you know, help people in the wake of King versus Burwell, assuming that the, the plaintiffs do win. David, I assume that there was already in place a plan uh, that actually goes back to 1965, and that's Medicaid. I mean, isn't mm -hmm. Medicaid supposed to be a federal-slash-state subsidized plan that would help people who are indigent, who can't afford health care? And also, obviously, Medicare is something that working people pay into their entire working life so that they can have a, um, a, he a health insurance plan when they retire. So... I mean, aren't these two programs already in place, and don't they basically cover what uh, you know this extra layer of bureaucracy is claiming to cover? And I think what Obamacare really is doing is it's forcing people who are neither poor nor um, retired to buy insurance by mandate, which is the first time that's ever happened federally. Um, well, Medicaid, uh, actually the people who are on the exchanges are really by and large, uh, in fact, you really, if you're eligible for Medicaid, you can't get on the exchange. Uh, Medicaid, okay. um, you know, ends at a certain lev uh, level of the, of the federal poverty level. Um, and, uh, if you are uh, above that level, um, then, uh, you know, your options are basically to go on the exchange and purchase a, a plan there. So if people lose their subsidies on the exchange, they don't have access to, uh, to Medicaid. Um, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. We have Medicaid and Medicare in, in place. Uh, Medicaid we've had for many, many years now. Uh, and it is a lousy program for the, uh, for the poor. Um, I think a, a much better idea would be a system of refundable tax credits. Uh, these tax credits should be available for all Americans, obviously not just the poor. But for people who are poor on Medicaid, this would give them a chance to enter um, the, the private market for insurance. And uh, I think over time, Medicaid, this, you know, in so many ways, a bad program would, would wither away. And I think you could also add in into it uh, what, what I would suggest doing is that as people leave Medicaid uh, with these tax credits uh, and Medicaid declines, you start cutting federal funding for Medicaid in an amount equal to the tax credits that people who have left Medicaid are, are now using. Um, so, you know, uh, I think that's a good way to deal with, uh, <laughs> with Medicaid and you'll move us toward a, toward a free market. Well, absolutely, and I'm only bringing it up to make the point that um, 
getting rid of Obamacare is not going to affect the poor as they stand right now with the lousy Medicaid system. What it does is it essentially uh, prevents people who are can afford insurance but don't want to buy it from uh, from getting on the Obamacare exchanges and basically getting subsidized by the rest of us uh, to the tune of the billions of dollars. And uh, what you're suggesting is that as an alternative, they can take an earned, a tax credit or an earned income tax credit in the case of someone of a low income with the, fi- with the money going into uh, a purchase of insurance on the open market, uh, mm-hmm. which is a great alternative. And it's one that's been out there for a long time um, and one that has countered the, um, the Obamacare advocates. I mean, I remember discussing this back when Obamacare was being shoved down everyone's throat. Um, in 2009 and 2010. So it's out there. And the, the more fundamental question with, with regard to the Supreme Court argument is that I, I would argue that Obamacare is the first time in American history that the entire country on a national level is being forced to buy something, is being forced to mandated, coerced by the government. You know, I mean, I've heard people, uh, you know, on the left say, "Well, what about auto insurance?" Well, first of all, that's a state aid, that's a state uh, mandated um, insurance, and secondly, mm-hmm. you, it only goes to people who drive cars. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to own a car. You know, this is something that simply is associated with an activity. The difference here is that this is for everyone, regardless of what they do. And yeah, I mean, you don't you don't have the yeah. option of not having a body, uh, a corporeal body exactly. that needs to be insured. You can't do have the option right. of going without a car. And for people who live in large cities, actually going without a car is a very viable option. Uh, sometimes, in many cases, may be the better option. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's it's a you know you're. you're uh, but with regard to to health insurance, I mean, there is no way around you know not paying the fine or buying health insurance because you know you uh, uh, you know health insurance is for your health and you know no one uh, no human being uh, lacks that so you know there you are right and the way the, the way the left has sold Obamacare um, in, and in a way the same way they sold gay marriage not to use a parallel issue it's to bring up some legitimate issues that can be addressed through legislation. In the case of uh, Obamacare, that means that um, why not have a, why not have have protection so that a family can insure a uh, a son or daughter up until the age twenty six, and, and mm-hmm. other same such reforms that could be enacted in the same way that gay marriage was sold because why not have why should somebody who has a partner be banned from you know inheritance rights or visiting them in the hospital? That doesn't mean you necessarily have the government declare. Uh, same-sex marriage as as on par with marriage, it can be addressed on a uh, literal basis through legislation. And the same thing is true here. I mean, there are some legitimate matters that can be addressed, preferably on a state level, but nevertheless addressed without necessarily having a federal seizure of an entire program. 
Oh, you're absolutely right, and, and it was the left strategy really to exaggerate the problems that were out there. Some of them, which, by the way, were caused by previous government policies. I mean, let, let's first acknowledge that what we had prior to Obamacare was not a free market in health insurance. What we had was a government mismanaged uh, uh, market. Um, you had, uh, you had, and still have, um, you know, an employer-based tax exclusion. That is, people get their health insurance free if their employer buys it uh, for them, and that that creates all sorts of distortions in the market. Plus, uh, prior to Obamacare, I mean, Medicare and Medicaid and you know other uh, government health care programs accounted for you know forty three percent of of uh, of health care spending, and and you know those are top down command and control price controlled uh, uh, systems. So. Um, you know, we already had loads of problems that were, to a large degree, created by um, uh, government involvement. And on the, th- on the things that they attacked, like, say, pre-existing conditions, those were, you know, and people being denied insurance for that, those are relatively small uh, small problems. Um, you know, the best data exactly. that we had showed that at most 1% of the U.S. population was ever denied insurance for a pre-existing condition. That's something that could de- be dealt with without, you know, having to pass a 2,000-page bill that, you know, we have to pass so you can find out what's in it. And, uh, uh, and, and in the process, you know, increase government dependence, mess up the healthcare, uh, our healthcare system even more, uh, and, and, and just, you know, create something that is, uh, seems to be this never ending, um, uh, source of, of, uh, unintended consequences. Uh, you know, to solve the problem of pre-existing conditions and denial of insurance, uh, you know, that is not, it's not, you know, that's not required to, to solve that problem. That's right. And basically, as you've pointed out, David, these are issues that could be dealt with on an incremental basis. This is why we have legislators to do specific address, to address specific issues, preferably in a free market um, direction. But either way, on a state level where it's accountable, not this massive federal seizure of an entire industry and this forcing of people to buy into something, which, of course, is the authoritarian reflection of what the left's always about. Now, the arguments before the Supreme Court right now, can you talk a bit about uh, what this case looks like and uh, why the case is being brought? Because my sense is that this is another expression of, uh, of absolute rebellion by the states and by the people against this mandate. Yeah, basically, um, Obamacare says that the actual law basically basically says that uh, subsidies, or as they call them in their tax credits, can only go to uh, exchanges established by a state. Uh, the IRS ignored that and decided that subsidies could go to both state exchanges and federal exchanges. And a couple of people who were in states with federal exchanges said, hey, wait a minute, if I'm required to buy this insurance, then I have to pay pay the individual mandate. All right. And, uh, you know, if... if, if Okay, uh, we're going to be right back, David. My guest is uh, Dr. David David Hogberg um, with the National Center for Public Policy Research. You're listening to the USA Radio Network. Turn down that radio. If this sounds familiar, you know it's time to address your hearing loss. But custom hearing aids can cost as much as $5,000 each and are not covered by Medicare. The good news is MD Hearing Aid offers medical-grade, FDA-registered hearing aids for savings of up to 90% over traditional hearing aids. 
MD Hearing Aid was founded by a Chicago surgeon determined to develop a hearing aid that was technologically advanced, simple to use, and most of all, affordable. Call 1-800-485-4408. You'll speak with a trained MD hearing aid professional who will match you with the best hearing aid for your needs. Over 100,000 satisfied customers have already made the call. Call right now for our exclusive 45-day risk-free trial and get free shipping and a year's worth of free batteries, a $50 value. But you have to call right now. Call MD Hearing Aid at 1-800-485-4408. That's 1-800-485-4408. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, U.S. Tax Shield can help you take back control. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Our Better Business Bureau A-plus rated tax attorneys and enrolled agents will review your case for free and give you a low price guaranteed quote to get you protected today. Call U.S. Tax Shield now. 800-476-0793. 800-476-0793. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, U.S. Tax Shield can help you take back control. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Our Better Business Bureau A-plus rated tax attorneys and enrolled agents will review your case for free and give you a low price guaranteed quote to get you protected today. Call U.S. Tax Shield now. 800-476-0793. 800-476-0793. In 2002, a National Sleep Foundation poll found that 63% of women had trouble sleeping. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. In my opinion, a major reason for insomnia is the blue card. It's a shopping and loyalty card, and it's free. That's right, free, no charge, nada. With the blue card, you can receive up to 5% cash back on purchases. Most cards only offer 2% at most. No wonder girls can't sleep. With the blue card, you can also get shopping points that you could use for online purchases. So it's cash back and shopping points. Am I keeping you awake? If you refer the blue card to someone else, you could even earn money on their purchases. No, I'm serious. It's true. But it gets better. If you share the blue card with a merchant, you could earn on the purchases of everyone who uses the blue card at their store. There is no way you're going to get any sleep until you get your own free blue card. So call 800-627-6620 and order your free blue card so that you can rest easy again. Call 800-627-6620. Have you ever had a piece of chocolate cake call you into the kitchen? Has the Dairy Queen sign ever forced your car into the drive through lane? Have you ever had a bag of chips dive off the counter right into your hands? Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby, speaking for the ILikeHowILook.com website. Chances are, at some time in your day, you have been and will continue to be the victim of cravings. ILikeHowILook.com website realizes that you can't hide in your closet all day just to avoid snack attacks. That's why they recommend the 10 2 and a chew weight loss system. 10 2 and a chew offers powerful, natural appetite suppressants to put cravings on the run. To see a video explaining how it works, just go to ilikehowilook.com. They will send you a free sample. Most people notice a difference the very first day. It's much easier to lose weight without those sneaky cravings, so watch the video at ilikehowilook.com. That's ilikehowilook.com. Chuck Morse speaks.
Thanks so much. And uh, we are back. We're talking about the Obamacare uh, debate, generally, specifically the case before the U.S. Supreme Court right now. We're joined by Dr. David Hogberg. He is uh, with the National Center for Public Policy Research. Uh, David, can you shed some light on the actual case itself? And and what do you think? Uh, what do you think is going to happen here? I mean, do you think it's going to go in the direction we hope? Well, um, basically, uh, a couple of people sued under this this case, uh, claiming that you know if if they were forced to buy that that you know if if the, the under the law if they had to pay uh, you know if their state received subsidies and they would have to pay the. Uh, the fine under the individual mandate, uh, and so they sued. Um, they were, um, uh, and uh, this case has now, of course, gone bet- before the Supreme Court. Um, and of course, if they win, then the subsidies get cut off uh, for the the federal exchanges. Um, how is it going to go? Um, let me comment, uh, make a couple of comments on that, uh, leading to my uh, prediction, which is I'm not going to offer a prediction. But looking over the transcript, um, it, it, it looks like the likely swing vote is going to be Justice K- Kennedy. Um, he seems to be concerned that if the uh, if the subsidies are turned off, then what happens to the the insurance markets in in the states with federal exchanges is they enter what's known as a a death spiral, okay? Uh, That is, young and healthy people drop out, the, you know, pools become, the insurance pools become older and sicker, uh, prices rise quite a bit, more young and healthy people drop out, and so forth. So what he was saying is that basically if the Supreme Court rules this way, then the federal government is offering the states a choice, Go with the subsidies, or you know your state insurance market will enter a death spiral. And to him, that is coercion, which you know the federal government cannot coerce the states into into doing something like that. Um, on the other hand, he was also concerned that uh, you know that the statute um, you know, was kind of vague on on on. Um, whether or not you know the, it was certainly very vague on whether or not uh, subsidies could go to the federal gov- federal exchanges, and he was saying, look, you know, if they're going to go to the federal exchanges and the IRS is going to uh, do this, you know, before we defer to the IRS on this, you know, the, the statute can't really be vague. So it, it's not clear which way he's going to go at this point. Um, the vote will be close. I, I, I uh, anticipate that. I suspect it will be a 5-4 vote. Um, but which way it's going to go, uh, it, that is a really good question. Um, with regard to uh, um, Kennedy's concern about a death spiral, frankly, I think Obamacare is set up in such a way that eventually insurance markets and states will head toward, toward a death spiral anyways. Okay, I think that is probably just right, right around exactly. the corner. And um, but as for predicting it, uh, look when um, the Supreme Court heard um, NFIB versus Sebelius, the, the case that dealt with the individual mandate. I was working for Investors right. Business Daily at the time in their DC office. I got a press pass to sit in the gallery uh, for that uh, hearing, and it just seemed obvious to me that the individual mandate was done. Um, all the conservative justices. 
with the exception of Clarence Thomas, and only he was only an exception because uh, he never says anything during uh, court proceedings. He prefers to listen. But all the questions coming from the conservative justices and even Anthony Kennedy, it was clear they did not like this idea. They were not you know, they they thought the individual mandate was was going too far, and it just seemed clear to me that the individual mandate was done. Many on the political left, many of their commentators went apoplectic. You know, they couldn't believe the Supreme Court was going to throw this out. And then, you know, it turned out five to four at the end of the, the last minute. John Roberts joined with the liberal justices and you know, came up with this convoluted um, argument that uh, basically, no, you couldn't uh, force people to buy insurance under the Commerce Clause of the Constitution, but it was legal to do it under the taxing power of the Constitution. Um, based on that experience, uh, I, I learned that predicting which way Supreme, the Supreme Court's going to go on these close votes is, is fraught with peril. So um, I really I don't have a crystal ball to, uh, to uh, any sort of a crystal ball on yeah. which I can offer no, a good prediction. Yeah, I mean, the sad thing is that we could have been down this road. We down, we're down this road years ago now. They could have got rid of it then. That strange case with Roberts. I mean, uh, coming up with this bizarre switch, and you know, talk about judicial activism. He pulled something completely out of the hat that had nothing to do with the case. And uh, there's all sorts of rumors about that. But either way, uh, Dr. Hogberg, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. Well, thanks for. When I needed to find senior care for my mom, I really struggled to find the right fit until I found an advisor, someone who had been through this before. That's why I recommend A Place for Mom, the nation's largest senior living referral service. They have experts who will help you ask the right questions and find the right place. Call A Place for Mom today. To speak with the local senior living advisor, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-469-7591. That's 1-800-469-7591. A Place for Mom has helped over 200,000 families find the right senior care for their parents, from assisted living to independent living, even Alzheimer's care, and have local advisors that can help explain your options at no cost to you. To speak with the local senior living advisor, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-469-7591. That's 1-800-469-7591. Call today. Owning and caring for a home comes with a lot of to-dos. Tune up the furnace, clean the gutters, remodel the kitchen. Whatever your home improvement need, HomeAdvisor can help you find a pro you can trust to get the job done right. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com for instant access to top-rated pros in your area, including electricians, handymen, plumbers, whatever type of home pro you need. And HomeAdvisor is absolutely free to use. At HomeAdvisor, you can read customer reviews of the pros, even use the cost guide to find out what hundreds of other home projects cost in your area. And because HomeAdvisor knows it's important to find a pro you can trust in your home, they conduct background checks on their service professionals. It's just one of the reasons more than 25 million homeowners have used HomeAdvisor. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com to find the right pro for your project. That's rebuild.homeadvisor.com. Chuck Morse speaks. Thanks so much. And uh, we've got um, Center for Peace and Tolerance coming up in the second hour today. 
will be joined by Ilya Fedorov, who is uh, discussing a new and breaking story in Boston with regard to the Islamic Society of Boston, um, which, of course, was financed by people who had known associations with terrorist groups like Hamas. And uh, they say here they've uncovered the, the um, information regarding uh, bank records, which reveal that Saudi millions were behind the Boston Marathon Bombers Mosque. And when I say Boston Marathon Bombers Mosque, that specifically is a mosque in Cambridge. Um, they weren't going necessarily to the Boston Mosque, although they were there also. And uh, this group has uh, photocopies of the checks that were made out. This is... This is this isn't the big mega mosque in Boston. The big mega mosque is uh, is in Roxbury, and uh, you know it's one of these um, one of these institutions. I think people need to understand that uh, these mosques are not like your conventional religious edifice, you know, like a church or a synagogue, um, which is uh, you know relatively small. They are supported by American uh, citizens uh, who attend them. They're built usually by members who donate money, and they represent the local community. Uh, the Catholic Church is a little different, but not all that much different. They're also entities that are supported by the local uh, community, and uh, usually there's an archdiocese, which is a bigger organization that also supports the churches. But in the case of these mega mosques, they are supported by foreign monies that come in and pay millions of dollars to develop them. They are more than just mosques, uh, places of prayer. They are, you know, big centers of activity for the Muslim community. And, uh, you know, they're almost, uh, I think that it's safe to say that uh, a simple understanding of the nature of Islam shows that they are not just religious institutions, but they're quasi-governmental and even possibly militant institutions. I mean, Islam doesn't make any separation between church and state like Christianity does and like like the United States does. These mosques are part of the governing edifice in Islamic countries, and in non-Islamic countries, they are part of a... Uh, political movement that that serves as a government in waiting so uh the, the my contention here is is fueled by the fact that they're getting these mega mosques that is millions of dollars sent in from overseas from from some uh, very questionable organizations possibly with possible connections to the muslim brotherhood and whatnot so we'll be talking about that at the top of the second hour today, the big story on the Drudge Report today is that President Obama is commenting on the newly released uh, report by the Attorney General's office regarding Ferguson, which is that uh, their claim that uh, the Ferguson Police Department has uh, systemic racism. Um, Obama says the type of racial discrimination in Ferguson is, quote, not isolated, unquote, which implies that uh, he's claiming that police departments are racist around the country. Uh, and uh, I would have to reject that analysis. I'm not suggesting that there are not 
occasional rogue policemen, white policemen, who might have who might be racists. They don't like black people. They're determined to go out and harass black people because they're black. I don't deny that that's that's might be part of things. But to apply such a broad brush is it just it, it's just wrong. I mean, I don't think that most of the Ferguson police officers, and obviously in this case we're talking about those who are white because I don't know what percentage of their department is non-white. I don't think they're going out and saying, let's go find some black people so we can harass them. I don't think that's what's going on here. We'll be right back. A Truth Talk defender, Chuck Morse, is someone you really do want to know. Chuck hosts the radio talk show, Chuck Moore Speaks, which is nationally syndicated. He's the author of books and numerous columns that have been published broadly. Chuck received the 2003 Communicator of the Year Award and was named a heavy 100 radio talk host by Talkers Magazine. When Chuck Moore Speaks, people listen. The taking possession of this tiny holy land so that the Jew can serve God, not conquer the world. To hear Chuck live, go to irnusaradio.com. To hear Chuck with Deborah Ray on Truth Talk Beyond the Soundbite, visit the on-demand page at deborahray.us. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. When I needed to find senior care for my mom, I really struggled to find the right fit until I found an advisor, someone who had been through this before. That's why I recommend A Place for Mom, the nation's largest senior living referral service. They have experts who will help you ask the right questions and find the right place. Call A Place for Mom today. To speak with the local senior living advisor, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-469-7591. That's 1-800-469-7591. A Place for Mom has helped over 200,000 families find the right senior care for their parents, from assisted living to independent living, even Alzheimer's care, and have local advisors that can help explain your options at no cost to you. To speak with the local senior living advisor, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-469-7591. That's 1-800-469-7591. Call today. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. 
Thank you very much. So the Ferguson uh, case is once again riling the um, the firmament. At the same time, Officer William is uh, Officer Wilson has been exonerated by the um, by the Attorney General's office. They just can't find any evidence that the man didn't that he acted in any way other than out of self defense in the Michael Brown case. Um, you know, he was uh, he was he was attacked according to all reliable eyewitnesses and uh brown went and tried to grab his gun and that uh it's been determined there was no hands up nothing like that nobody wasn't shoot he didn't shoot him in the back that was false and uh that he acted in uh appropriately you know he was under the circumstances and believe me if i did that to a police officer i would have been shot in the head probably immediately i mean i i, I don't i don't think that his the fact that he happened to be black had anything to do with it. He was attacking this man. He was high on whatever. He had just robbed a, a, a convenience store. I mean, let's not even go over the case again. Um, and yet I don't see any attempt by the government to apologize to Officer Wilson after having after putting him through what he had to go through. He had he's no longer can work as a policeman. He's had his name dragged in the mud. And not only has there been no apology, but now he's being sued again by the Brown family. So this isn't going to ever go away. He's going to have that thing. He's going to be under attack probably for the rest of his life. I mean, the, the, the new lawsuit will have to wend its way around for another year. I don't know who's going to pay his expenses. I would hope that the police department would cover that, you know, as his employer. But... Uh, Either way, he's going to have to go through it all again, and who knows what else. Uh, and yet, you know, as I said, the Attorney General's office has now exonerated him. There should be a public apology. They're not going to have that. Instead, we have President Obama pointing to, um, quote, a type of racial discrimination that's found in Ferguson, Missouri, is not unique to that police department and he cast law enforcement reform as a chief struggle for today's civil rights movement. Now, look, I agree that one of the things that we learned from Ferguson is that police need to be more careful for all people. The second thing we learned, and this is a big conservative issue, is that the police departments are becoming militarized. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. author, journalist, and American patriot. This is Chuck Morse Speaks.
Thanks so much. So we have um, Obama fanning the flames of racism. Look, the fact of the matter is that uh, no one is, is, is asking the question of what is the crime rate in Ferguson versus other communities. I mean, I'm sure that it's probably a little bit higher. It's just a fact. And therefore, there's a little more law enforcement. And this law enforcement can be a little bit more vigorous. Now, again, I think the the two lessons that we can learn from Ferguson are, number one, that police officers need to be more professional in their handling of cases. Um, you know, and I think they have been. They've been very careful now. In fact, here in Massachusetts, there's a good example. Recently, there was a um, a knife-wielding man who was probably mentally ill on a uh, train platform in Wilmington, Massachusetts. He stabbed a couple of people. There was a standoff. The police came. But instead of just sending down police like they might have done in the past who would have just come down and shot him, they sent down a whole group of policemen from several communities. There's almost, I think there was over 100 policemen. And they basically surrounded him. Now, this man happened to be black, so I think that had something to do with it. Probably if he were white, they would have just shot him in the head. But because he was black, and this was right after Ferguson, they didn't want to have another instance. So they sent over 100 policemen down there, a couple of whom were hurt, one of whom fell on the tracks by accident. And they were able to surround him, isolate him, and then hit him with a stun gun so that he would be put you know, out of danger. I mean, he was slashing at people with this long knife. And, uh, you know, I suppose that, I mean, that's good, I guess, in that uh, I would hope that they would be more careful in all cases. And the second lesson is that the aftermath of Ferguson, we saw the police department use excessive force in terms of trying to control a riot that led to the demonstration of several military-grade level equipment, including bombs and, and whatnot. And, and what that highlights is something that conservatives are concerned about in this issue, and that is that the U.S., the federal government has been supplying local police departments around the country with military hardware, with SWAT training, with uh, all kinds of, like, paramilitary gear, I mean, right here in Massachusetts, in the town of Walpole, which hasn't had a crime other than maybe an occasional purse snatch in over a generation, you suddenly have a police department that's armed with the SWAT training and with the tanks. You know, I mean, this is happening all over the United States. The second factor that is brought up by conservatives really exclusively, and they're attacked for even mentioning it, is that uh, several federal agencies are forming military wings. Uh, this started under the Clinton administration with the IRS, and now it includes uh, groups like the, uh, you know, the, uh, the BATF, the, uh, the Department of Minerals out in the western United States. You've got the, uh, the EPA and even the po- U.S. Postal Service. They are training... They're getting the, the personnel are getting military training. They're purchasing military, you know, rounds of ammunition, millions of rounds of ammunition, and they are almost becoming like forms of a national police agency. 
uh, you know, President Obama, when he was running for president in nineteen in two thousand and eight, made a comment at uh, at a speech he delivered in Colorado Springs, where he called for a national policing agency. Um, he never mentioned it again because a lot of people were upset. But that's sort of what they're doing piece by piece. I mean, Obama has proven that he can operate using executive orders. And I think this is one of those situations where I don't even think an executive order has been issued. I think it's more like just do it, you know. The agencies are given uh, extraordinary powers, almost sovereign powers, to develop these national police agencies, kind of like the the Gestapo or like the uh, Soviet Cheka, where you had national police agencies that were were basically armed – Armies, you know, they're essentially military units to handle domestic situations, not uh, not an attack from a foreign power. So those are two issues. That, those are two things we learned from Ferguson. But, of course, the attention is being instead focused on claims that the police officers have something against black men and women, and that's why this happened, which even though the particular case has been proven not to have been the case, they're going to continue to push this, and it's wrong. Hi, I'm Joan London. When I needed to find senior care for my mom, I really struggled to find the right fit until I found an advisor, someone who had been through this before. That's why I recommend A Place for Mom, the nation's largest senior living referral service. They have experts who will help you ask the right questions and find the right place. Call A Place for Mom today. To speak with a local senior living advisor, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-469-7591. That's 1-800-469-7591. A Place for Mom has helped over 200,000 families find the right senior care for their parents, from assisted living to independent living, even Alzheimer's care and have local advisors that can help explain your options at no cost to you. To speak with a local senior living advisor, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-469-7591. That's 1-800-469-7591. Call today. Chuck Morse Speaks. Thanks so much, and uh, again, in hour number two, we're going to be talking about this uh, this strange case in Boston right now with regard to the financing of um, the mega mosque in Boston and also the mosque in Cambridge, which was the mosque of the terrorists who blew up the Boston Marathon um, two years ago. And by the way, the uh, trial for one of the killers, one of the terrorists, is underway at the federal district court. Uh, right now in downtown Boston. Testimony was uh, heard yesterday. The trial will resume on Monday. And uh, this is a huge, uh, this is the worst terrorist incident in the United States since 9-11. It was certainly the worst terrorist incident ever in the history of the city of Boston. I mean, going back to the Boston Massacre, which, of course, was conducted by British, the British occupying forces in uh, in 1774 or 1773, I believe. And that was one of the precipitant events that led to the American Revolution. Uh, 
you know, it was a it was a wholesale slaughter, and uh, the testimony was unbelievably gripping. I mean, it's 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 almost impossible to to get your mind around the evil that 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 those bombs caused. I mean, uh, you know, there was one man in particular who uh, he lost both legs, and uh, he he testified that and he was the one who basically gave information that led to the uh, breaking of the case in that uh, while he was in the hospital bed, he said, he told the doctors and nurses that he saw somebody. He saw a man just before the uh, bombs went off that turned out to be one of the Sanef brothers and that he said there was something about him that really, he really stood out. There was something very sinister going on. And, of course, then immediately the FBI showed up to hear his testimony and his description, and they were able to draw a composite and it was his testimony that led eventually to uh, to the capture of the uh, the terrorist, um, who, by the way, right after bombing um, the uh, the bo- the bomb that, that that killed three people and grievously maimed al- almost three hundred others with limbs blown off, uh, they apparently had a nice big dinner somewhere with friends, and they went off and you know had a good time. All right, we're going to be back in hour number two. With uh, Center for Peace and Tolerance, please stay tuned. You're listening to the USA Radio Network. When I needed to find senior care for my mom, I really struggled to find the right fit until I found an advisor, someone who had been through this before. That's why I recommend A Place for Mom, the nation's largest senior living referral service. They have experts who will help you ask the right questions and find the right place. Call a place for mom today. To speak with a local senior living advisor, call a place for mom at 1-800-469-7591. That's 1-800-469-7591. A place for mom has helped over 200,000 families find the right senior care for their parents, from assisted living to independent living, even Alzheimer's care, and have local advisors that can help explain your options at no cost to you. To speak with the local senior living advisor, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-469-7591. That's 1-800-469-7591. Call today. For a home comes with a lot of to-dos. Fix the AC, build a deck, remodel the kitchen. Whatever your home improvement need, HomeAdvisor can help you find a pro you can trust to get the job done right. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com for instant access to top-rated pros in your area, including electricians, handymen, remodelers, whatever type of home pro you need. HomeAdvisor is absolutely free to use. At HomeAdvisor, you don't have to search through a long list of pros. With just a few clicks, HomeAdvisor matches you with pros who provide the exact services you need. You can read customer reviews of the pros, even use the cost guide to find out what hundreds of other home projects cost in your area. Because HomeAdvisor knows it's important to find a pro you can trust in your home, they conduct background checks on their service professionals. It's just one of the reasons more than 25 million homeowners have used HomeAdvisor. Go to rebuildhomeadvisor.com to find the right pro for your project. That's rebuild.homeadvisor.com. Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks.
Thank you very much. Hour number two of Chuck Moore Speaks, Monday through Friday, 10 till noon at the USA Radio Networks. Welcome to the program. I want to thank Adam Trevino for producing. Uh, we're joined by Ilya Fektasov. He is with the Americans for Peace and Tolerance in Boston. Um, we are undergoing right now the trial of the two terrorists, or the one terrorist who survived, um, who blew up uh, placed bombs at the uh, Boston Marathon in 2013, the worst terrorist incident in the history of Boston, the worst terrorist incident in the United States since 9-11, three people murdered, uh, over 250 people seriously injured and losing limbs. Uh, and we find out that uh, the terrorists uh, were regular attendees of the Islamic Society of Boston Mosque in Cambridge. Now, Ilya's organization has done a lot of research with regard to the uh, those two mosques, the one in Cambridge and the mega mosque in Boston, how they came about, how they were financed. The one in Boston is a mega mosque. Ilya, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Ilya, you've uncovered uh, Saudi and Gulf sources as the financiers are paying $8.6 million to the ISBCC mega mosque in Boston. Uh, talk a little bit about how this came about how it is that suddenly we have this massive mosque and this huge minaret hanging over our city. So in the year 2000, the city of Boston awarded uh, the Islamic Society of Boston a huge piece of land that was worth $2 million. They gave it to them for $200,000 uh, to build this massive mosque. Um, and... Uh, the mosque definitely need, didn't need the money because they were getting millions of dollars from Saudi Arabia. Now, in 2003, we started raising uh, concerns about some of the radical ties to this mosque, like, for example, the fact that it was founded by a man who is in jail for 23 years for uh, raising funds for al-Qaeda. Uh, we spoke out about this. We were sued for libel. Um it was a frivolous lawsuit uh, because everything we were saying was true, um, but we were able to fight it, and during the course of the trial, we subpoenaed all their bank records, 25,000 pages worth of checks, wire transfers, etc. If they ever paid a phone bill, we knew about it. So we went through all the records, and we found massive amounts of money coming from uh, wealthy Saudi individuals and charities and banks. And some of these entities uh, have connections, direct connections to terrorism. So basically, in the course of the lawsuit, you were able to, through the through the power of discovery, uncover that that your contentions were exactly true, that this mosque not only was financed from overseas, but that they received uh, huge amounts of money from organizations and individuals that. Um, have connections to or to groups that are listed by the Attorney General's office as terrorists and as uh, groups that have openly declared and, in fact, are engaging in war against the United States. Um, so, uh, yeah, first of all, I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yes, that, that's right. Not not only that, we're, that our original contentions were true, but it was ten times worse than we thought. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that we should understand that these mega mosques, this isn't like your regular neighborhood church or synagogue. 
you know, those organizations are, are created by and built by the people who go there. You know, people make donations. They raise money. They build modest buildings. They they uh, they have like a Sunday school and they have a sanctuary. Maybe they have a nursery school and a couple of other services. This is a mega mosque that is funded by foreign powers, by monies pouring in from overseas. Uh, this is a mosque that has more than just a religious sanctuary. It has it's a political organization. Islam is is not just a religion. It's a political entity. I mean, you could take a look at the history. That's that's something that's not even controversial. And that as such, it's involved in uh, political advocacy quite openly. And uh, I wonder where the left wing is on that one, you know, given the fact that they won't allow anybody to make a political remark at a church. Allow, you, you, you might lose your, your nonprofit status. I mean, these things are openly and brazenly political. They're advocating Sharia law. You know, they're advocating jihad in some cases. I'm not saying in all cases, but we certainly have examples of radical mullahs, not only in Boston, but around the country. I actually interviewed one of them um, when I was uh, in uh, doing my broadcast in, in uh, Norfolk, Massachusetts. I, I did a series on religions, had various religious figures come down, and I had the local uh, imam come to my program in person. And uh, I can tell you, when I mentioned the I word, which is Israel, a look of, of murderous rage came across his eyes. It was almost like Satan. It turns out that after this uh, this guy was picked up for plotting a uh, an, assassina- an assassination attempt at the Natick Mall, this same imam fled the country. Apparently, he had a connection to that. So, my you know, I, when I think back on it, it's chilling. I mean, this was a very political situation. This person was advocating of the violent overthrow of the United States. I don't think there's any other way to describe it. What do you think? What was the name of this imam? I don't even remember his name, but it was uh, he was uh, he was in Sharon or he was in Stoughton, yes, somewhere yes. around that area. Yes. You know so what this talking imam Hafiz Masood turned out to be the yeah. brother of a Pakistani arch terrorist, a man who has a ten million dollar bounty on his head. Um, he radicalized the individuals who planned to shoot up the mall there um, in North right. Alboro, and uh, he is now the director of communications for his brother's terrorist group, the same group that carried out the Mumbai massacre, um, which killed uh, 160 people in Mumbai, India. So, yeah, the, this guy was absolutely... Um, uh, an extremist. Uh, we've had multiple complaints from moderate Muslims about him and did a lot of research into his background. According to the Times of India, he was here in Boston to raise money and recruit people for jihad. And he was uh, hired mm-hmm. for his position by uh, uh, a president, a vice president of uh, this uh, huge mosque here in Boston. Yep, I mean, I'm not surprised to hear the the details. I just will never forget the experience of um, of having him sitting at my uh, radio table, and just the look that he had when I mentioned Israel was uh, something I had never personally seen. It was uh, I, I get you know I feel chilled over over the whole thing. Um, I, I think we should also note Ilya that several other radicals have come out of Boston. Uh, we have uh, so-called Miss Al Qaeda who was a student, ironically, at, at Brandeis, 
which is a liberal Jewish-based university, who has gone on to become, who was caught up in and picked up in Afghanistan for plotting to release uh, Ebola virus in Manhattan. You know, she was a, a biology uh, ma- uh, doctorate student. Uh, we also have the chief um, uh, communications expert, be, uh, social media expert for for ISIS, who was in Boston uh, for for quite a while. So Boston uh, didn't just produce the Sanef brothers, who dropped bombs on the marathon, killing three and maiming 200 and some odd others, um, who is one of whom is on trial right now. There seems to be a lot of things going on here. That's right. Uh, over the past decade, there have been 12 individuals who are either killed in jail or on the run from law enforcement due to terrorist activity that came out of Boston and who were all affiliated uh, in some way with the Islamic Society of Boston or its political arm, the Muslim American Society. And this, is a, this doesn't seem to be a coincidence. In fact, we know that the mosque preaches a radical curriculum featuring a who's who of um, modern jihadist ideologues like Saeed Qutb and Milana Madudi, um, and they preach that America um, holds no value, that America is, the, the Western civilization is an evil civilization that's destined to be destroyed, and that Muslims should seek to destroy it. This is the kind of stuff that's being taught here in the cradle of liberty. Now, at the same time, we have liberal media right here, as you say, in the cradle of liberty, like the Boston Globe and Channel 5 and some of the st- networks. They, they paint a rosy picture. In fact, uh, the, the imam at the mega mosque now is a relatively mild and attractive-looking guy. You know, he's a, he's a convert. I don't think he's a native Muslim. And he... Uh, he comes across as very nice and moderate. I've seen him interviewed. Um, what's the deal with that? I mean, is uh, is he who he appears to be, or or should we be watching him? Um, he has just resigned and moved to Washington D.C., but he absolutely is not who he appears to be. Um, he is a perfect example of this uh, two-faced deception. Uh, that's uh, happening um, in America with the radical Islamic community. This guy, um, two days before 9-11, was picked up uh, in FBI surveillance documents, raising money for a convicted jihadist cop killer um, together with Anwar al-Awlaki, the radical uh, Yemeni guy who was behind the Fort Hood attack, and behind the Detroit um, underwear bomber, and behind the latest uh, attack in, in Paris. But uh, even after he was dead, you know, he had uh, these sleeper agents that were trained in uh, Yemen with him and ended up uh, shooting up the, the Charlie Hebdo magazine. Um, so uh, they were associates together this wonderful, nice imam. And in fact, Anwar al-Awlaki, back in the year 2002, had a wonderful video uh, done by the Washington Post about him, how he's a nice, moderate, soft-spoken American imam, and then ends up becoming an al-Qaeda leader. 
So Imam Suhaib Webb, yes, yeah. he's a convert um, to Islam. He's a white guy from Oklahoma. Mother is a bank executive, um, comes from a well-to-do family, um, and got caught up in uh, this Islamic radicalism, was sent to Egypt to train with the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, and even though he puts on a very mild face uh, in front of the cameras, we have multiple of his sermons where he is nothing uh, at all uh, moderate. He rails against uh, Israel, has uh, extreme hatred for Israel, um, was upset at uh, Barack Obama for criticizing Hamas this past summer, uh, for firing the rockets. That, that wasn't uh, good, according to the imam. Uh, we caught him saying vicious things about gays, saying that it's understandable to have animosity towards Jewish people, um, vicious things about women, um, vicious things about uh, uh, Ayan Hirsi Ali, the brave uh, feminist uh, Islamic mm -hmm. reformer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, he's uh, two-faced like uh, a lot of these leaders are. Yeah, and he's practicing um, the uh, takia, which is um, it's okay to lie when you're in, um, in a non-Islamic setting. All right, we're going to be right back. Ilya Fokotov is my guest. Uh, the American Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, U.S. Tax Yield can help you take back control. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Our Better Business Bureau A-plus rated tax attorneys and enrolled agents will review your case for free and give you a low-price guaranteed quote to get you protected today. Call U.S. Tax Yield now. 800-476-0793. 800-476-0793. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, U.S. Tax Yield can help you take back control. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Our Better Business Bureau A-plus rated tax attorneys and enrolled agents will review your case for free and give you a low-price guaranteed quote to get you protected today. Call U.S. Tax Yield now. 800-476-0793. 800-476-0793. Owning and caring for a home comes with a lot of to-dos. Tune up the furnace, clean the gutters, remodel the kitchen. Whatever your home improvement need, HomeAdvisor can help you find a pro you can trust to get the job done right. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com for instant access to top-rated pros in your area, including electricians, handymen, plumbers, whatever type of home pro you need. And HomeAdvisor is absolutely free to use. At HomeAdvisor, you can read customer reviews of the pros, even use the cost guide to find out what hundreds of other home projects cost in your area. And because HomeAdvisor knows it's important to find a pro you can trust in your home, they conduct background checks on their service professionals. It's just one of the reasons more than 25 million homeowners have used HomeAdvisor. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com to find the right pro for your project. That's rebuild.homeadvisor.com. Turn down that radio! If this sounds familiar, you know it's time to address your hearing loss. But custom hearing aids can cost as much as $5,000 each and are not covered by Medicare. The good news is MD Hearing Aid offers medical-grade, FDA-registered hearing aids for savings of up to 90% over traditional hearing aids. 
MD Hearing Aid was founded by a Chicago surgeon determined to develop a hearing aid that was technologically advanced, simple to use, and most of all, affordable. Call 1-800-485-4408. You'll speak with a trained MD hearing aid professional who will match you with the best hearing aid for your needs. Over 100,000 satisfied customers have already made the call. Call right now for our exclusive 45-day risk-free trial and get free shipping and a year's worth of free batteries, a $50 value, but you have to call right now. Call MD Hearing Aid at 1-800-485-4408. That's 1-800-485-4408. In 2002, a National Sleep Foundation poll found that 63% of women had trouble sleeping. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. In my opinion, a major reason for insomnia is the blue card. It's a shopping and loyalty card, and it's free. That's right, free, no charge, nada. With the blue card, you can receive up to 5% cash back on purchases. Most cards only offer 2% at most. No wonder girls can't sleep. With the blue card, you can also get shopping points that you could use for online purchases. So it's cash back and shopping points. Am I keeping you awake? If you refer the blue card to someone else, you could even earn money on their purchases. No, I'm serious. It's true. But it gets better. If you share the blue card with a merchant, you could earn on the purchases of everyone who uses the blue card at their store. There is no way you're going to get any sleep until you get your own free blue card. So call 800-627-6620 and order your free blue card so that you can rest easy again. Call 800-627-6620. Chuck Morse Speaks. Thanks so much, and Ilya Beklasov from Americans for Peace and Tolerance is here. We're talking about the Boston, the revelations with regard to the financing of the mega mosque in Boston and the other mosque in Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, which was attended by the terrorists who blew up the uh, Boston Marathon, and uh, that Boston has been a hotbed of Islamic uh, terrorism and extremism. Um Ilya, I don't know if this other example that I have of of, a, of one of my brushes with this was uh, Ismail Royer, who uh, he uh, he came on my broadcast. I, I think it was shortly after 2011, uh, as a representative of moderate Islam, and he wanted to talk about Islam as a religion of peace. He came to the studio. I remember he was a nice, fresh-faced Irish guy. You know, uh, looked like any other type of guy that I would would have grown up with in Quincy. Um, I got a note from him about a year later telling me that he was about to be convicted of terrorist activities and that he wanted to know if I would come forth as a character witness. Um, I did not do that because I didn't know him. All I knew was the one time he came to the studio. And it turned out he, had been, he was convicted. He was caught up in a... Uh, in a terrorist cell, and I think he's doing, uh, you know, long uh, prison sentence at this point, possibly for life. Uh, are you familiar with that case? Um, I'm not sure. It could be um, Ismail Royer. Uh, I'm not sure about the case, but it's just another example okay. of uh, the kind of deception that um, we're faced with. I mean, uh, for example, the Obama administration just uh, announced that Boston, of all places, is a pilot city as a model, an example 
of how the government is working um, to fight violent extremism, uh, working with the Muslim community here to fight violent extremism. Well, it doesn't seem like it's doing a very good job, and the reason for that is the partners that it's partnering with here in Boston, the Justice Department, Homeland Security Department, um, the people that it's partnering here with Boston are them, in Boston are themselves extremists. Well, I mean, I, you know, let's just take a look at the other side of that. It's possible that um, they very well may be working with people here at Boston in that they might be uh, kind of working as informers, um, that they're in the mosques, they've infiltrated the mosques, that they are, you know, basically keeping an eye on things and that they're blowing the whistle if they see something that's not, uh, you know, doesn't look kosher, so so-called. Uh, is that possible? Is that a possibility? Well, it's interesting if we look at the specific individuals. For example, uh, the Boston Muslim leader who went to Obama's Countering Violent Extremism Summit uh, a couple of weeks ago is a name by the name of Nabil Kodairi. Now, we obtained a lot of his emails during the course of the trial. And he's supposed to be the partner in countering violent extremism here in Boston. Well, the emails indicate that he was viciously attacking his fellow Muslims who did try to go to the public, who did try to go to the government and the media to talk about extremism uh, in the Sharon Mosque, which you mentioned, to talk about this radical uh, terrorist uh, imam uh, who you interviewed. And they were basically, the, this individual who the Obama administration is partnering with, basically served as an attack dog to prevent other Muslims from speaking out about extremism in the mosque. Uh, so the the data indicates Not a good that sign. Now, but Yeah. Yes? The, uh, at Obama's meeting about, so, uh, about extremism, I get the sense, and I, I, I'll, I mean, I haven't really studied it co- closely. I've only heard heard things uh, exponentially, but uh, I don't think they talked too much about Islamic extremism. Instead, they made these wild accusations about right wing extremism in the United States, saying things like, you know, that it's ten times more prevalent and ten times worse. Um, what what actually went down at that at that uh, meeting? Was there anything of value? Anything true? Anything? That that's actually uh, you know serviceable to come out of that, or was it just a bunch of propaganda? Well, unfortunately, the Obama administration refuses to identify the threat accurately as Islamic extremism. So the whole uh, summit was an exercise in absurdity, where everybody knew what this thing that was being talked about was that they were convening this as a response to the Paris attacks. That of course, the issue was Islamic extremism, but no one would say it, and no one would talk about it. So, yeah, you have this absurd circus uh, where uh, I think the only thing they said was, yes, there's a lot of right-wing extremists, and uh, in fact, uh, uh, it, it, it's the Islamic community that's being threatened. All right, Ilya, we got to take one more break here. Please sit tight. We'll be right back. Americans for Peace and Talk. 589%? That is how much more fat you could burn if you were using the 10 2 and a chew weight loss system from ilikehowilook.com. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. 
A double-blind controlled clinical study showed that the 10-2-in-a-chew weight loss system burned 589% more fat than exercise and dieting alone. Think how much easier it'll be to lose weight. Go to ilikehowilook.com and read the study for yourself. You swallow a small capsule at 10, another at 2, and eat a tasty collagen protein candy chew anytime you need a snack. And with that, you could burn 589% more fat. Watch the video at ilikehowilook.com to get the full story. Most people notice a curbed appetite and more energy the very first day. It's safe, all natural, there's a money-back guarantee, and they'll even send you free samples. Go to ilikehowilook.com. ilikehowilook.com. In the early 60s, Dolores and Ray Butcher and their three daughters earned a trip to Disneyland by collecting S&H green stamps. It was a dream come true. Today, nearly everyone has a wallet or keychain full of loyalty rewards cards that they use for discounts, gifts, and even free dinners at their favorite restaurants. For years, an international company has been offering a universal loyalty rewards card in Europe. Now they are looking for independent representatives to launch this card in the U.S. and Canada. We call it the blue card, one card to replace dozens. The blue card offers discounts, cash back, it even accumulates points to shop at participating merchants and an online mall. It's free to get the card and free to become a representative. You could help launch the blue card in your area and get paid wherever it's used. Imagine, you could get paid every time someone fills their gas tank, buys groceries, orders an online air ticket, or purchases just about anything. To get your free blue card, call 800-627-6620. 800-627-6620. Taking back America one listener at a time. Chuck Morse speaks. Thanks so much. My guest is Ilya Fyokhtistov, Americans for Peace and Tolerance. We're talking about uh, the uh, subversive element within the Islamic community of Boston um, and how they've received uh, aid from overseas uh, by organizations listed in the Attorney General's uh, list as terrorists and as um, enemies of the United States. They seek to subvert and overthrow our social order and have demonstrated as such both here in the United States through such things as bombing the Boston Marathon and also by uh, going overseas and uh, heading up uh, and, and becoming a part of organizations like ISIS and Al-Qaeda. Uh, we have a media in Boston that is virtually creating a blackout on what's really going on here. Um, groups like yours, Ilya, are blowing the whistle in every way you can to try to simply expose evil to the light so that uh, the people of Boston and America can know what's going on. Um, one recent victory, and uh, maybe fill me in on this, was that the uh, Jew-hating, pro-Islamic uh, Islamic Studies uh, Department head at Northeastern University um, has resigned. What, what's going on over there at Northeastern University right now? Um, so Northeastern University had an extremist uh, Muslim chaplain there for years, We uh, Imam Abdullah Farouk. We exposed the imam as being an active supporter of Lady Al-Qaeda, Afia Siddiqui, who you talked about, who was caught up in Afghanistan with plans uh, for a mass casualty attack in New York, papers about the Ebola virus, etc. This guy was um, 
at Northeastern University telling students that they need to support Siddiqui, telling worshipers in mosques around uh, Boston and Massachusetts in general that the U.S. government is out to get them, that after they're finished with Siddiqui, they're going to come after them, um, and that Muslims, therefore, should pick up the gun and the sword and don't be afraid to go out there and do your job, his own exact words. Um, after we exposed his support for terrorists, and he's actually brought uh, Northeastern students to protest outside terrorism trial of the kid who was going to shoot up the mall here, the shopping mall in North Alberta, Tarek Mahana. Uh, after we exposed his uh, influence on uh, Muslim students at Northeastern, he was removed from Northeastern um, and replaced. Uh, Northeastern still has a major uh, problem with anti-Semitism and Jew hatred that's coming primarily from the local Students for Justice in Palestine group, uh, which is a vicious group which we've caught. It's members posing with machine guns in the Palestinian territory, wearing Hezbollah t-shirts, um, and uh, uh, shouting, you know, death to Israel from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free in the streets of Boston, especially last summer during the conflict in Gaza. That's right. And I, I noticed that uh, they, they were protesting outside of a uh, a business on Boylston Street that's uh, owned by an Israeli. And uh, their, their protests outside during the uh, when missiles were firing from Gaza in front of the Boston Public Library. I happened to attend that and uh, I was there with my daughter, my teenage daughter, and I noticed that uh, the the protesters broke down to two types. On the one side, you had people who probably were Palestinian or they were probably Muslim by just simple appearance, and they tended to be somewhat quiet and respectful. And then you had, you know, white left-wingers dressed, you know, with their ashen faces all twisted in rage and their, you know, their, pon- their, their gray ponytails and women running around with these tents, you know, that wearing, I mean, really like ugly, you know, who were just screaming and shoving the, the, their their stuff in people's faces. Um, why is it that the leftists find a common cause here? Well, we have to take one more break here. We'll be right back. A Truth Talk defender, Chuck Morse, is someone you really do want to know. Chuck hosts the radio talk show Chuck Morse Speaks, which is nationally syndicated. He's the author of books and numerous columns that have been published broadly. Chuck received the 2003 Communicator of the Year Award and was named a heavy 100 radio talk host by Talkers Magazine. When Chuck Morse Speaks, people listen. The taking possession of this tiny holy land so that the, the Jew can serve God, not conquer the world. To hear Chuck live, go to irnusaradio.com. To hear Chuck with Deborah Ray on Truth Talk Beyond the Soundbite, visit the on demand page at deborahray.us. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? 
It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law, this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. If this sounds familiar, you know it's time to address your hearing loss. But custom hearing aids can cost as much as $5,000 each and are not covered by Medicare. The good news is MD Hearing Aid offers medical-grade, FDA-registered hearing aids for savings of up to 90% over traditional hearing aids. MD Hearing Aid was founded by a Chicago surgeon determined to develop a hearing aid that was technologically advanced, simple to use, and most of all, affordable. Call 1-800-485-4408. You'll speak with a trained MD hearing aid professional who will match you with the best hearing aid for your needs. Over 100,000 satisfied customers have already made the call. Call right now for our exclusive 45-day risk-free trial and get free shipping and a year's worth of free batteries, a $50 value. But you have to call right now. Call MD hearing aid at 1-800-485-4408. That's 1-800-485-4408. Chuck Morse speaks. Thanks so much. So uh, Ilya is with us, uh, Americans for Peace and Tolerance. Ilya, what's what's this unholy uh, alliance between the uh, radical uh, Islamists and the left in this country? Um, the left, uh, I think, sees a lot of... Uh, common cause with uh, radical Islam in the sense that both the left and radical Islam have a deep-seated uh, hatred of uh, Western civilization, Western culture, and would like to see it replaced with a more universalist message. So uh, in radical Islam, that's a universal uh, theocracy uh, across the world, and in the left, uh, some sort of socialist communist utopia. Now, the end uh, product for them could not look any more different. Um, the left wants to see, you know, um, gay rights, women's rights, etc., uh, while the radical Islam would like to see women in burqas and gays thrown off of tall buildings. Um, but that doesn't matter to the left. The left thinks that it can co-opt the radical Islamic movement for its own agenda. You see, uh, uh, back in uh, the early part of the 20th century, the left thought that, you know, the American worker, the American proletariat, would be its sort of uh, uh, its uh, constituents. Uh, well, that didn't quite turn out that well. The American worker also wants a middle-class lifestyle, doesn't really want 
to have anything to do with building socialist utopia. So the left switched to more uh, racial um, ideology and started championing what it saw were minority uh, groups around the world as its sort of uh, new cause. And so we see now um, an, uh, an alliance between the radical left and radical Islam. No, I think you've, you've pinned it just right. I mean, the, the left doesn't care about women or gays. They're interested in using people to further their international collectivist world ant colony. And in that sense, they have everything right. in common with the Islamists. All right, we'll be right back. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. Chuck Morse Speaks. Thank you very much. Christopher Cameron is my guest. The book is To Plead Our Own Cause, African Americans in Massachusetts and the Making of the Anti-Slavery Movement. Christopher, um, how influential were Calvinist ideas to the development of the black church? And how influential were those ideas to the civil rights movement itself in the 1960s? Uh, Capitalist ideas were important in the development of black Baptist churches. Um, So the first uh, black Baptist church arose in Savannah, Georgia in 1775. Um, And then there were a few more congregations throughout the South, as well as a black Baptist church in Boston in 1806. um, and throughout other northern cities. So it was primarily important within that denomination um, during the early uh, late 18th and early 19th century, um, but it would not be as important in the sort of larger African Methodist Episcopal and African Methodist Episcopal Zion denominations. Um, there we mm-hmm. see a sort of move away from Calvinism towards more Arminian ideas that you can choose your own spiritual uh, fate, you can choose to be saved. Um, so they really start, most uh, black Christians in the 19th century would sort of move away from ideas of uh, predestination. One thing that they didn't move away from, though, whether you were Methodist, Baptist, whatever denomination, is the notion that God had a covenant uh, with the American people right, Um, and that you had to Mm -hmm. live a just and moral and virtuous life on an individual level and at the national level if this society was going to survive and continue to thrive and 
grow, right? So um, that idea sure. was really infused throughout black Christianity and would play a very prominent role in both abolitionism and in civil rights um, 100 years later. And, and we see the same thing um, even among you know, members of the Nation of Islam, black Baptist churches, black Methodist churches in the 1960s. There's still this powerful idea um, of a covenant with God. Right. And if Americans yeah. break this covenant through slavery or through racism and Jim Crow in the 20th century, then God is going to have his wrath against the nation. So it, it would certainly continue to play a very powerful role throughout black religious and intellectual history. <clears throat> I also think that these ideas and, and uh, you know, the covenant idea, the uh, atonement idea, uh, other biblical ideas, absolutely animated the public speeches and utterances of the late great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, and that mm-hmm. that was the moral underpinning of the whole movement. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I very briefly touch on this at the end of my book, but the activists that I explore um, in my work, Phyllis Wheatley and Prince Hall and Lemuel Haynes and David Walker, were really the sort of intellectual predecessors of um, the more famous people that we know from the 20th century, like Malcolm X or Fannie Lou Hamer or Martin Luther King, right? Um, these 18th and early 19th century activists really sort of initiated the uh, rhetorical strategies um, and the kind of re- uh, the mixture of religion and politics um, that great civil rights leaders would employ 100 years later. Right, and that uh, I think that this was really the this presentation more than anything else is what led to the success of the movement. I mean, it's uh, it was eventually embraced by most well-meaning white people, including people in the South who who were not that inclined, because it it, it resonated. It, it made sense. I mean, there was a moral component. Once that that's what won the day, and that's exactly what Martin Luther King predicted. Yeah, I think you're right, but um, you make it important point in saying it was embraced by most well-meaning uh, white people in the South, right? And how many well-meaning right, people there were is certainly up to debate, right? So um, even as sure, widespread sure. as the civil rights movement was, um, it was still not very, very widely embraced by all of American society. And we see at the end of the 1960s a very sharp backlash um, to the civil rights movement. Right, right. But I think that, and sure, I mean, there's obviously it wasn't embraced, but I think it was generally embraced by, by the vast majority and because of its moral message. Um, yeah. and, and that, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's what made the change. Uh, you know, it's why we've rejected these, you know, the, the ideas that were prevalent before it, the Jim Crow laws. Um, mm-hmm. There are other reasons why I think people might have problems with the civil rights movement, but it's not because of the moral aspect to it. Um, you know, the, the the moral aspect to it, I think, resonated and became very much a part of uh, mainstream American thinking. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right, Christopher Cameron. I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Right, thank you. To plead our own cause. Thank you very much, sir. 
report is brought to you by Staples. More managers are encouraging sick employees to stay home, but your colleagues still came in with a flu, and <clears throat> now you've got it too. The flu costs the U.S. more than $87 billion annually and is responsible for the loss of nearly 17 million workdays. According to the fifth annual flu survey from Staples, 60% of office workers attend work despite their illness, meaning the workplace's best defense is a good offense. Chris Carenti, Vice President and General Manager, Staples Facility Solutions. With a few easy steps, the spread of illness can be significantly curbed, leaving employees healthier and more productive. Staples encourages protecting employees during flu season through three measures, educating them about flu prevention, providing providing the right supplies, and offering alternatives to attending work while sick. Providing hand sanitizer, cleaning supplies, and telecommuting options for the ill can help keep the office flu-free. Employers can also stress the importance of washing hands, taking recovery time, and cleaning shared surface areas. For more information, visit staples.com slash flu prevention. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Professor at Kent State University, the author of Complete Our Own Cause, African Americans in Massachusetts and the Making of the Anti-Slavery Movement. It's really a very insightful book, and um, I'm, I'm hoping to have him back um, soon once I finish the book. Um, the uh, I was listening before this program to uh, my radio host colleague, Jeff Cooner, on WRKO, debate Jeff Jacoby who is a conservative columnist for the Boston Globe and who wrote a column attacking Jeff and his rally on the State House steps here in Massachusetts, um, which was against uh, the illegal immigration, referring to them as nativist, referring to um, them as unhinged, and, and basically a, a very hard-hitting, nasty column. And uh, I thought that uh, Jeff Cooter had, uh, had uh, Jeff Jacoby on the program, they cleared away all commercials and, and calls and breaks, and they went at it for an hour and a half without a single interruption. It was one of the best radio segments that I have ever heard. Um, it reminded me of what WRKO did back in the day when my mentor, the late, great Jerry Williams, had on Governor Michael Dukakis. This was uh, 1989, 1990, around that time. And again, they cleared away all commercials, they cleared away all interruptions, and they just went mano a mano. Um, and it was just a tremendous, memorable radio moment. Uh, so I congratulate both Jeff Cooner and Jeff Jacoby. I've invited both of them on this program uh, separately. If they want to come on together, they're welcome. Um, and I hope that they respond because, uh, to my way of thinking, just from a sheer radio standpoint, this is the essence of what I believe talk radio is all about. You had a real argument on real differences presented by two very brilliant and accomplished uh, radio people who know how to handle themselves on the air and who are both intellectuals in their own right. And uh, I'm just uh, amazed that, that it took place. Now, in the next hour, hour number two here, we'll be joined by S.C. Sherman, who is the author of the book Mercy Shot. He wants to talk about Elizabeth Warren. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back after these messages. Listen to the Information Radio Network. As like us walk into a facility in the morning, we can smell a problem. No one needs to hand us a work order. We already know it. 
Today, for instance, we need a new gearbox, six globe valves, and a dozen ballasts. And when I smell a problem, Granger smells that I smell a problem. They help me keep this place up and running. Now that's the kind of smell I like. The sweet smell of success. Get it? Got it? Good. Call, clickgranger.com, or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Musicians, now through Sunday at Guitar Center, don't miss the big payback. For every $50 you spend, we're giving you $10 in Guitar Center bucks good towards a future purchase. That's right, we're paying you back up to 500 Guitar Center bucks. So come by and get hands-on with the gear you really want. From the best guitars, drums, keyboards, and amplifiers to the most state-of-the-art DJ, live sound, and recording gear. Because during Guitar Center's big payback weekend, the more you spend, the more you earn. In-store and GuitarCenter.com. Exclusions and limitations apply. Visit GuitarCenter.com.